Hello, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Generation Red, the kettle corn of Husker Fan Podcast, where we try to be sweet, but at times we get salty. I am your host, Ken. And I am your other host, Scott. And after an ugly but oddly satisfying win in Champaign, Illinois, Scott and I are here to actually break down some of the numbers from the game and have a little bit of fun along the way, including a brand new segment that you can be involved in in the future called Three Tweeted. Three tweets we'll pick from uh, from Twitter in the future for future shows, and we'll display them on the screen. And if you tag us in them, you have the best op- opportunity to get three tweeted on the show, if you will. Um, and then, of course, we've got some little tidbits and all kinds of fun facts and some stats, and we'll take a look midseason at where Nebraska stands nationally, as well as in the Big Ten in five specific categories on offense and defense. <laughs> Believe me, as you have seen, the off, the offense part will be, well, offensive, really, when you look at it. So um, anyway, moving into the show, Scott, it was fun. We got to hang out with Honky. Um, anybody yeah, that, yeah. Uh, that was watched our live stream Friday night, you know that we got to hang out with Honky, and he was here in the studio and helped us just kind of quickly react to the game. That was a lot of fun. It was, it was, it was, it was really cool hanging out with him. It was cool seeing like just how everybody reacts to games differently. Uh, um, and Honky is exactly how I would imagine him during a game where he's very analytical. He's very X's and O's. He's watching things happen. Mm-hmm. Like he's trying to see things before they happen because he wants to understand yeah. why things went wrong. And it's almost like a game to him where he's like, if I, if I, if I can see this before it even happens, it's like, it's like, he feels good about it. Like, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm tracking on this now. I've, I've got, I've got things figured out, which I mean, he knows way more about the X's and O's than I do. Like he was pointing things out during the game. That was just so fascinating to me. And it was just an absolute pleasure having him over. We were able to break bread together yep. um, and just have good conversation and then do our rapid reaction uh, shortly after the game so it was just an all-around good time honky thank you so much for uh for spending time with us and having a late night on a friday night with the uh with the mccone family yeah it was an absolute blast and and you know what with <laughs> watching him just be able to photographically remember all the stuff that was important in the game and just be able to so cleanly and succinctly communicated after being as animated and emotionally back and forth between the analytical and the emotional while watching the game, watching him work and uh, be able to communicate like he does uh, just always amazes me. Hockey's an outstanding podcaster, outstanding host. So if you don't follow the go big red cast, you should Uh, there's, there's nobody better in the Husker fan podcast game, in my opinion. And he gave us some great compliments in a text message the next, next day, Scott, he said we're amazing hosts, and he really likes our content, and he can't wait to see us get up to their level, which uh, just really made 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 me feel good. And he said I should be really proud of the setup we have in here. <laughs> so I told him your mom was the real hero, though, because I took her storage room away to have this studio. So um, mm-hmm. Real MVP. Real MVP is mama, for sure. And tonight, y'all can see the whole studio for the most part, except for what's right behind that webcam up there. Uh, next to the TV that I'm looking at. So there you go. This is kind of for any of you who have watched our show and have not really seen what the entirety of the studio looks like. This is it. 
So uh, genredpod at gmail.com. Send us an email. Let us know what you think of the studio. Also, don't don't be afraid to ask to actually, if you live in the Lincoln area or nearby and you want to commute and you don't mind showing up at a house of a guy you've only watched on YouTube, we'd love to have you as a guest. So just send us an email and request to be a guest and we'll arrange a time to sit down and talk over video chat and get to know one another, one another before we have you come over. So um, anyway, that's something we wanted to throw out there. Uh, let's see. Next up, got a couple of slides I want to open up with before we actually break down the uh, game itself. There's a couple of tidbits coming out of this game that I thought were interesting. Uh, namely, this one first and for foremost. Matt Rule has now won as many games in his first season as Nebraska's head coach as he won in his first seasons at Temple and Baylor combined. So he's already ahead of the curve, <laughs> which he thought this was a year two level team. Remember when he mentioned that, I think at the, at the either end of spring or beginning of fall, he said this was kind of a year two type team that he's used to seeing as far as effort level and things like that and talent. So that bodes well because he always goes to a bowl game in year two. So um, any thoughts on that necessarily, or is that something that had crossed kind of your radar since the game Friday night? Um, Not entirely. Um, I'd seen it. I'd seen it floating around. Um I think it's a little bit smoke and mirrors. I think it's a, I think it's not, I don't think it really holds that much value or that much weight. Um, when you just consider kind of, I think from a cultural standpoint, Nebraska is as bad as it could get when you compare it to temple and Baylor. I think a cultural standpoint, um, Nebraska, it's arguably, you know, as bad of a cultural rebuild as you could want. Um, but when it comes from like a talent standpoint, I think, I think rule ultimately inherited guys who were more capable of winning with a schedule that just so happens to be more fortunate in our favor. Cause I mean, we talked about this, uh, uh, Sunday or a uh, uh, Friday night, we talked about this, that, this was uh, uh, what was considered a, a losing game before the game, yeah. before the season even started, we had this game chalked off as a, as a loss and we had, you know, Minnesota chalked off as a loss and we had Colorado chalked off as a win. So we're three and three, just like, like, yeah. like we were, we were expected to be. Area, for sure. Um, so this is right where we were expected to be. And so I think what people just failed to miss was that, yeah, so technically speaking, we're right where that would technically be mm -hmm. a better result in season one than we've seen with Matt Rule. But we've been saying this since the beginning of the season, that we thought that Matt Rule was going to have a better first season here than he yep. was going to have he's on target at Temple. He's yes. on target. He's already exactly. had a season than he did at Temple or Baylor in his first year. So. Um, whether that means we stick at three wins or we move on to five or six or possibly even seven, I can see a path to seven. I don't think I see a path to eight, and I can definitely see a path to six, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Yes. Next slide. Uh, Nebraska was three for six in the red zone on Friday night with two touchdowns and a field goal, while Illinois was 0 for three. That defense played well, uh, just crazy well. And then the Black Shirts got back into the sack attack area, and they got three, which is kind of what they've basically averaged in the games that they've gotten sacks was right around three or four. Nice. Uh, so there we go. We're back in the sack machine, which is really cool. I, I, I was so worried that we were going to, it was going to be kind of a smoke and mirrors thing again with the sacks, but Cameron Lenart was back and the two games that he wasn't playing Michigan and um, Louisiana tech 
Leonard was hurt. So I think it really makes a difference what they can do with that defense with that guy because he's so disruptive mm-hmm. and he takes up some attention. So, um, and then here's the interactive part of the show, folks. Before we dive into the numbers, let's uh, throw this up here. This is a viewer poll I threw out on Twitter this morning at about 11.06. In fact, it says 11.06. Uh, will the Huskers be bowl eligible by November 5th, which will be the day after the Michigan State game, which is three games from now. So what I'm asking is, do you think Nebraska is going to win three games in a row? Uh, at this, at the point that I took this screenshot, which was about 1145, 66% of you said yes. And 33% said no, or almost 34%. Um, at this point, it's up around 70%. So we will take another snapshot of this poll when it ends, which will be here at about four fifteen. So, Stay tuned, and we'll reveal the results of that poll at the very end of the show here. Um, so I think and we can that, talk about it, right? We're going to talk about like we'll kind of about it. dive Absolutely. into it just just briefly. Yep, cool. we'll talk about I, it. I really, I really want to. So that that seems like fun. <laughs> it's that seems like a fun idea. There's, some, there's still a lot more Kool Aid consumers out there than non Kool Aid consumers. I'm kind of in the middle. I still haven't decided yes or no for myself yet. So. Um, because I can see where we could get to six wins, even if we do lose to either one of the next three. Um, I can see it. Whether it yeah. happens or not is another situation. And hey, the bye week couldn't come at a better time, right? I mean, it just could not come at a better time uh, for this team because everybody's hurting. Everybody's beat up. Mm-hmm. And it's longer bye week by at least a day because you know they played on Friday night. So it couldn't have been better. It really couldn't have. So... Let's go back Go back to Friday night. We'll take a look at the numbers that were generated, which surprised me because I hadn't really looked at them until yesterday um, because they were really quite even. Um, and there they are. Team stats. Yep. Um, <laughs> 18 first downs for Nebraska to 16 for Iowa, right? Am I reading that right? Yes, 16. Yeah, yeah. You're looking. You got 16 first downs for Illinois. Um, we were basically even on third down efficiency. Um, we both went thir- 15 times for third down. We were successful five times. Illinois was four times. We fourth both- down efficiency. <laughs> fourth down efficiency. Illinois went for four uh, fourth down attempts and only got one of them where we only went for one and got one yardage was even at just above 300 um, total yards. Um, I mean, you can basically look at this and it's kind of what I expected it to be. Illinois did not rely hardly at all in their run game with, with chase Brown, no longer being in the backfield. They only had 21 total rushing yards, right? They relied heavily on their passing game with 289 passing yards while Nebraska mm-hmm. was basically 50, 50 at about a buck 50 a piece on both sides of the yeah. ball. And then Nebraska was heavily penalized with 10 penalties for 70 yards, whereas Illinois was very minimally penalized with three penalties. And we were, we both, uh, we both lost two fumbles and we both uh, throw two interceptions. So we were even, we're, we're never going to get out of this, this turnover (laughs) deficiency margin, but yeah, you know, Hey, at least we're not in a deficiency. We're not negative anymore. But yeah, and then you look at time of possession, Nebraska 37 minutes over Illinois 22 minutes. And that's basically why we win the game. Um, I mean, the yeah. yardage, 
the uh, Illinois had every way to win the game. Nebraska had every way to win the game, but Nebraska, but Illinois just found more ways to lose the sure. game. And that's why yeah. when you look at the statistics, <laughs> it's just gonna, yeah. it's gonna, it's gonna be one of those, like, when you look at those statistics, you go, I honestly have no idea who won that game. I can't, I honestly couldn't tell you. I yeah, couldn't you tell you who won that game by just was. looking at the stats, looking you'd at see, the stats. You couldn't tell. Yeah. You'd see the, and, Dang, I damn dang near died on air a moment ago. Thank goodness the mute button was right here because the ginger ale did decided to go down the wrong tube. So, um, but yeah, you look at these stats and other than winning the time of possession, which just looking at that alone in my mind, if I look just at time of possession, I'd go, yeah, those guys probably won by three score by two scores because, you know, the yardage was basically the same and all that stuff. The time so, of possession um, is the is the main yeah. thing. That's the only part that stands out that you go, and, okay, and, well, and that's again, probably the reason why Nebraska wins. And the two scores we won by, we scored all within 10 seconds of each other. <laughs> I know, dude, I got to talk about that. That is, that is so nuts because you, you if you think about it, outside of that 10 seconds, mm -hmm. Illinois wins that game seven to six. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it's like what I mean, obviously that's not how that's not how that actually works, but I mean, if you were to play that game exactly how I just stated, I mean, that's kind of weird to think about. Yeah. Um but yeah, dude, it was it was just an ugly it was an ugly game. I know we've talked about that already, but it was it was just an ugly ugly game and I I am well, curious i'm curious to see how they can let this bye week ahead of them kind of rest and relax and recuperate because my goodness the amount of injuries and the amount of beat down that their bodies are taking is just absurd but yep. uh <laughs> sideberg is almost unbearable to watch throw coleman should have had a td <laughs> he's right he he's is right, right. all where it needed to be and but to be a little bit fair to, to Harburg, or as I've heard a lot of people say, Harbaugh lately, not just honky, but others, <sighs> annoying. Um, <laughs> he was dealing with some crazy wind, as was Albano. There was some swirling wind in the stadium, so maybe that wind grabbed that ball and threw it, threw it further toward the sidelines than what he was intending. But I agree, watching his throwing motion is a little difficult. It's almost as hard to watch his throwing motion as it was watching Scott Frost throw the ball back in the day when he was quarterback here, which was like watching him shot put a football. It wasn't pretty. Um, so, yeah, 50% completion rates are not going to get things done. No. Um, but anyway, let's take a look at the individual stats now, which are interesting in that um, – we kind of saw it earlier that they threw for 289 while Harburg threw for 154. Uh, but Altmaier had to. They were down two scores most of the game from, from midway through the second quarter on. They were down two scores. Uh, so I don't think they had much of a choice. They weren't running the ball. That's for dang sure. So, But Harburg did carry for 82. Um, they only had their top rusher had 15 yards. I mean... My God, that black shirt defense is what's going to get us to a bowl. That's why I'm confident we're going to get to six wins because that defense is just that good. Um, I uh, still, I'm still skeptical Michigan yesterday, of and they just smoked the daylights out of Minnesota. So that that offense is for real, and they took a good defense and they made it into mincemeat with us and with Minnesota because I think their defense is still pretty decent. So. Uh, but yeah, we need to see when we play somebody like Purdue and Maryland. Those are the two teams up 
next in the next few weeks that are really going to test this defense before we get to Wisconsin and and well, Iowa's offense isn't going to test anybody. But uh, then again, we could be their get right game. So, um, but there you go. Those are the individual. You, yeah, I do want to. I do want to point out. So one of the interesting things that I I will uh, pat myself on the back for here because I'm the most humble um, that there is <laughs> uh, is that. My keys to the game, when I talked last week of us winning the game, I kind of alluded to the fact that if we manage to limit Isaiah Williams' prominence in the offense, then we were going to have a higher chance at winning this game and shutting down their offense's proficiency. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what we did. Isaiah Williams was, I don't know what his targets were. I wish ESPN would show targets. I know that there's a website that actually shows how many targets they are, but I'm not going to go find it right now. But Isaiah Williams takes the bulk of the receptions at eight, doubling the second highest reception count, which was four. Um, But he was only held to 57 yards um, with a long of 21. So basically... We had him on lockdown. Our cornerbacks were keeping him on lockdown. So even when he was able to find a tight window to get something to Williams, he wasn't able to get much further than where he grabbed the ball. So I would also be curious to see yards after reception. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that's that's basically kind of the two determining factors is that we kept their most uh, their most threatening offensive weapon in Isaiah Williams and uh we kept we kept him on lockdown and we made sure that uh, we didn't make as many mistakes as they did I mean that's in time of possession I guess so you could say those are the three things is well, that yeah you you hold them to oh and three in the red zone that certainly helps they made a big does. play to get that one score and other than that you know there really wasn't much that their offense could do so um, there we go. There's our defensive outs, our top five guys on defense. This will blow you away when you see the top two guys for Illinois' defense as far as tackles are concerned. But uh, that's what Nebraska did. Isaac Gifford, eight tackles, four solo. John Bullock had six total tackles, four solo. Um, both those guys had some tackles for loss. Nick Henrik had a tackle for loss along with five tackles, two solo. Quentin Newsom. Coming up and hitting from the DB spot, from that cornerback spot, five total tackles, three solo, and six for Phelan Sanford, who's playing for Deshaun Singleton. Made a huge play in the first quarter to uh, stop what looked like a sure touchdown pass on their very on Illinois' first drive, and then Nebraska makes goal line stand and gets the ball back, um, leaving them with no points. Uh, Phelan Sanford was big all night, and that's some serious shoes to fill with Singleton out. So, um, Illinois, there you go. Top two guys, take a look at that. We have had zero double-digit tacklers on our defense this year, which is probably a good thing for the health of the players. But my God, well-rounded. Victoria Harper <laughs> to hit he somebody. He was everywhere. Back. Same was a Rosiak. Rosiak. Was it Rosiak? He's a back. And then yeah, Rosiak, Rosiak or something maybe. Rosiak. Five solo. Um, two pass defended. He's one of the guys that knocked away a cup, probably the guy that knocked almost intercepted a couple of Harvard pass mm-hmm. passes. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Um, well, I just can't get out. I can't remember the last time I saw somebody get 17 tackles in a game, wh- whether it was against us or not. So mm-hmm. that's some pretty serious production. And he played a lot of snaps apparently. So, but we did snap the ball, what, 76 times, I think. So something like that. Um, 
So I just went ahead and I just picked players of the game based on stats and stuff. And I thought we'd both pretty much agree on these. And that would be for Illinois quarterback Luke Altmeyer and defensive back uh, Nick Cario Harper for his 17 tackle performance. And then Heinrich Hargberg, he's the only one who really produced consistently on offense all night, as hard as it was to watch. <laughs> and of course, defensive back uh, slash what the Swiss Army knife uh, in yeah. Isaac Gifford, who was just everywhere and was huge on those pass defending passes defended toward the end of the game to stop him on a couple of drives. So uh, that's who we had for that stuff. Do you have any other thoughts on the game? I can't remember if I've got more. Yeah, I do have more si- slides when it comes to the game. But uh, yeah, I was just thoughts before we get I there. Was, I was just going to say, and yes, Moonbot, uh, Nicario Harper is number zero. So he was yes. the one that you were seeing with the number zero running around. And then and then I think uh, Rosiak was what, number 14 or something I like that? think so. 14. Number 28. Number 28. Okay. Well, you were only fourth. half wrong. Or I was half. Wrong. I was half off. I was, you know, fifty percent off. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, discount <laughs> podcasting. Um, what we do best. That's what we are here for. But uh, no, what I was, what I was going to say was that, I mean, I just love seeing how well-rounded our defense looks. Like, like I said, I don't think mm-hmm. I, I still don't think our defense is as good as people are making it out to be. I think it's a top. I think it's still a top thirty, top forty defense. But, um, but the thing that I can give them credit for is that they are ferocious. They are everywhere. They, I've, I think I said this a few weeks ago. If they're going to make a mistake, they're going to make a mistake at 100 miles an hour. And that's yes. exactly what we saw with Malcolm Hartzog with that complete mm-hmm. biffed missed tackle. It's because he was going at 100 miles an hour. He committed yeah. to – he was thinking he was going to try and cut to the sideline, and he didn't. And yeah. so he just completely biffed it, but he biffed it at 100 miles an hour. And it's like – so yeah. if if he would have calculated that correctly, it would have been a big hit, and we wouldn't have even questioned what he was doing. We wouldn't have even second guessed what he was doing with his speed or anything. We would have just been like, dang, Hardzog is a dog. You know, he just coin flip, coin yep. flip. He, he chose right and it went left. Yeah. Or I guess technically the runner went yeah. right. There were, there were a few missed tackles, but when they got there, it, it always seemed like as soon as somebody had a hold of a guy that was kind of in a little bit of an open space within half a second, there's three or four more hats with ends on them in the, in the vicinity. So that was fun to watch. It seemed like they were back to swarming again on defense and and that's pretty awesome especially with this northwestern offense that scored a whopping 23 points on freaking howard yesterday so yeah oh um i did just want to say so you yeah. i i do agree every every player of the game that you picked is exactly it because when you look at our offense i mean you can't really there isn't like a standout receiver there isn't a standout running back uh, our quarterback didn't look great but i mean he's the only reason why we got that touchdown so it's like i mean what are you gonna do you got to pick him and then yeah of course you've got to pick isaac gifford he looked like an absolute dog out there and then Mm -hmm. luke altmeyer what did he do he was a game manager and he and you can look at his receivers and you look at the reception and targeting distribution i'd seen targets I, i just can't remember what website it was their target distribution was completely even so that means he was incredibly uh picky he made sure that he was only throwing to guys that were open. Um, 
obviously mm -hmm. with exception, but yeah, that's, I think that your players of the game were perfect. Um, that's exactly who I would have picked. So worked out. Yeah. I figured you probably would have. <laughs> yeah. You were correct. I figured, I think, I think it just, it's, um, if Harburg goes down, I mean, I don't see a path to a bowl game unless Sims is healthy and he's figured out how to hold on to the football uh, a little better. Um, though Harburg wasn't exactly infallible through a bad, a bunch of bad passes the other mm. night that should have been picked, but for some reason that was the night that the football gods decided to bless us with the ball bouncing in general in our directions. So I well, thought that comment there was really good. I think more teams will move to the three, three, five with pack 12 teams coming in and that we might be ahead of the curve. It, it's a very good point, valid point, especially with all the spread offenses and whatnot, that this defense is generally built to help contain. I'll, I'll say this about the defense. And I, I think you're right. I think we're at a top 30, top 40 range, which I did kind of some averages. And I looked at where the five categories, if you added up all the numbers and stuff and you averaged it out, they're averaging in these five categories between the five, they're averaging top 40. So you're dead on with that. And I think that's probably where we're going to stay other than maybe games against Northwestern and games against um, uh, MSU, who's still trying to figure out what the hell to do on offense, uh, could bolster our defensive numbers. Um, but I, I do agree with you that we need... We, we still haven't really seen fully what this can do because we're so good against the run, but we're totally bend, don't break against the pass. Yep. That's, that's, the that's, that's the part that I'm talking about is like, yep. we are very bend, don't break when it comes to the pass defense. And we, once we come up against a team that is actually got a rhythmic running game going, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Michigan didn't have any issues running against us. And so I think when we when we play against better teams that are more proficient with their running game, I think we're going to see that discrepancy, you know, show itself more. And then same mm -hmm. thing with teams that have more weapons on on the on on their wide receiving core and their quarterback, you know, like it's not that I say it's not that I'm saying we have a bad like I said, it's not that I'm saying we have a bad defense. I'm just saying that like whoa, chill, like Husker Nation. Like we're not we're, we're not, not two thousand nine. We're not. We aren't we're not, we're not even two thousand eleven. We aren't really. but my god, the only thing that I can compare two thousand nine to is just the fact that if we had a really, really good offense right now, or not even a really good, if we had if we had an offense that was a top 40 <laughs> offense, we would be a really good team right now. We would be fantastic, but we have an offense that's, I think, worse than 2009, which historically is one of the worst freaking offenses I remember watching. Oh, yeah. Um, we have an abysmal It's offense. abysmal. It's offensive. And there you go. There's the statistics. Um, other than rushing, were crap. Absolutely garbage. Yeah, it's, it's, if you averaged out the five... Defensive rankings in for national, we'd be in the 90s. I think I figured out at like 92 overall between those five categories, or we would be, I think, ninth overall in the Big Ten, which just isn't going to get you too far. But generally, the top 10 teams in the Big Ten end up going to a bowl game. So we stay in that range. We've got a shot, right? By the numbers, by the numbers. Yeah. Not by the football gods, but by the numbers. <laughs> yes. So for those of you listening, total offense, we're giving, um, we're 
generating 342 yards a game, which is 104th in the country and ninth in the conference. We're at 1,203 total rushing yards for this season so far, which is 13th in the country and first in the conference. Uh, passing a whopping 851 yards over six games, which is 123rd in the country and 12th in the conference. 19 points a game is what we're scoring, which is 122nd in the country and 14th in the conference. And then finally, sacks allowed. We've allowed 14, which is 89th in the country and 11th in the conference. (laughs) Offensive line's got to improve. These numbers go up dramatically that we're looking at right there on that screen, Scott, if this offensive line just gets 15% better by the end of the season. You'll see it because I don't think... This offense would be so abysmal if that offensive line wasn't so bad, especially in the pass protection. You'd see probably another hundred yards per game in offense if we just had decent. Yeah, pass. yeah. I think I think if you had an extra, you know, three quarters of a second in the pocket, not even a whole second, just three quarters of a second. If you had that much ta- longer in the pocket to work with, I think I think Harburg can get a little bit more comfortable. But I I think no matter what you do. Harburg is what he is as a passer, and mm-hmm. so is Sims. He is what he is as a passer. When I look at them to when I look at both of them, the two game sample that we got out of Sims mm-hmm. and the now four game sample we have out of Harburg, when I compare the both of them, they both have the basically the same amount of accuracy. I think that I think that Sims just got the bad end of the deal. Like, like you said, mm-hmm. w- there were many opportunities for Harburg to throw interceptions. They just didn't come away with them. And there were many opportunities for Sims to come up with turnovers and they just so happened to go the wrong way that time. So mm-hmm. I think that our offense can improve slightly with a better offensive line, but ultimately our quarterbacks are what they are with their arms. And we're just going to have to do well, with what we got. Wouldn't you, and this is just a rhetorical question, not that I'm questioning your analysis because I think it's pretty spot on. I think quarterback does matter. But um, wouldn't you, I think I would prefer a decent offensive line and a game manager quarterback with this running game versus a gunslinger back there that you know, like a Jeff Sims who's got a huge arm, questionable decision-making, and a crap offensive line. You know, give me a game manager and a decent offensive line all day long, or you're going to win eight games a year. You just, you just are Oh, for sure. I um, just don't think, I just don't think now at this point and four games, I think I can safely say that Harburg has produced game manager type games, but I don't mm-hmm. think he is a game manager because mm-hmm. we get one of those games yeah, here in the off. future where, and it's, it's one of those Sims types games where he goes three for three with his, with his interceptions. Right. And the pitchforks are up and they're going to say <laughs> yeah. bench bench the guy, get him out of there. He's not game managing. Well, He's throwing this game away, blah, 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 which I agree with. It's like, if, if he starts getting the interception yips, it's like, I put Sims back in there. He's learned his lesson. He's been in timeout long enough. It's like, I get it. I get it. We don't, but it's like, there's a reason why he was a starter from the, from the start of the season. So it's like, if, I know this is kind of we we've gone off on a little sidebar here, but when it comes to the quarterback, as soon as Harburg has one of those games where he's throwing interceptions and picks left and right, because I think it's going to happen. I think that's when Sims goes back out there, and then we see what we've got from him after he's had time to think about. Harburg should have thrown at least two other picks. 
the other night. Should have. Oh yeah. But they, sure. they up and dropped them. And it so. was the same. It was the same thing uh, with Louisiana Tech. I remember yeah. there was a there was a few was more a there too. Yep. There, was there was a couple, couple there that should have been picked. So. Let's move anyway. on to the defense. Yeah, let's move on to the defense. This, I think, highlights exactly what you're talking about. These numbers are all good except for the passing yards per game. They're they're absolutely a bend-don't-break passing defense, um, but they're only giving up 21 points a game, which isn't bad considering. Uh, could but, be we're all, but we're only averaging 19 points a game. Yeah. So it's so like, how the hell are we? Well, three and three. It's because it's, of, even it's, it's points, just because but, of Michigan. Michigan, yeah. the 45 to seven blowout. Yeah, it would be I mean, this, this 21. So, yeah, 323 yards a game is what this defense is giving up. Uh, 27th nationally, fifth in the conference, 455 total yards rushing, ninth nationally, second in the conference. It's still excellent in spite of that Michigan game. Uh, passing 1,483 total yards. So they've given up over 600 more yards passing than we have passed for, which ranks them 103rd as a defense against the pass, but 14th in the conference. So we're dead last in the conference in how many yards we're giving up, but we're eighth in the conference in the points per game. So once they get to the red zone, ain't happening, boys. You're kicking a field goal or we're getting the ball back. So, And then 17 total sacks, which is 20th in the country. And third in the conference, I will argue, if if Leonardo wasn't hurt, I don't think that helps as much against Michigan. But I think it really would have made a difference in the rest of that Louisiana Tech game if he didn't get hurt then, and we could have probably got a couple that day, and maybe maybe we're up in the top two, which nineteen sacks puts us in the top two or three, uh, according to College Football Stat or CFBStats.com. So uh, that's your defensive rankings. That is what we've got there for mid-season rankings for, and this would place us at right at 42. I think if I added those numbers correctly, we'd be 42nd as a defense in the country, and then we'd kind of be in that seventh or eighth range, sixth range, I think, when I added them up for in the mm. conference, which middle of the conference on defense, I'll take it compared to the way that defense has been playing in conference the last few years. Hmm. So. Nope, I, I think that sounds about. I think that it looks the numbers look about right, and I think Moonbot puts uh, exactly what I was uh, gonna say. So I'll give uh, him yep. some credit on on top of that. As he says, right. CU, Very, Colorado exactly. is the passing skew, and Michigan is the rushing. Uh, it's hundred percent true. Michigan is the is the points mm-hmm. per game skew. Michigan is the rushing yards per game skew, and Colorado is the passing yards per game skew. Because didn't didn't Colorado drop like six hundred on us or something like that, or was it four hundred? No, not passing. No, they dropped. They dropped like three hundred and some yards passing on us. Maybe closer to four, somewhere in there. I'd, I'd have to go back and look for sure. But uh, yeah, they didn't drop six hundred total yards. Oh no. No, yeah, it was 400. So badly in the first round. So it was just, yeah. It was 400. So, anyway, yes, Moonbot, you are absolutely correct. You win the prize, a crisp high fry from me. There you go. Um, <laughs> for lack of a better, better award. Anyway, I think we're pretty much done breaking down the game from Friday. We're not going to yep. turn the page today to Northwestern yet. We're going to actually postpone that till next Sunday, folks. Today, we're going to do the uh, three-tweet segment, which we'll do that next week as well. Uh, And then we will um, shut things down in a little bit with the results of the poll. So 
Let's get to these tweets here. First of all, got to get the banner switched there. There we go. <laughs> First one we've got from Husk Guys, which made me laugh. I laughed out loud when I saw this one because um, it's absolutely true. <laughs> Illinois, here's a block punt. We want you to win. Nebraska, nah, we'll miss the field goal. Illinois, okay, well, here's an interception. You can return it to the 10. Nebraska, well, we'll fumble it back. Here you go. <laughs> it is so the way that is so the way this game went. <laughs> it made me laugh so hard when I saw this. Uh -huh. It's funny. It, it's funny. Husk guys is such a great follow. They can sound they're like so they're funny. about ready to melt down and drive their car into a, a a brick wall, and then the next moment they'll be like guzzling Kool Aid, like that guy you've seen in the TikTok video. So yeah, uh, they're a great follow. They're like they're like bipolar. Uh, Kool-Aid to Doomsday. <laughs> they are the they have the beautiful. spectrum on lockdown. They are the far ends of both ends. <laughs> yes, they are. It's so funny. I, I love mean, it. It's crazy. It's so funny. Um, so the next one is from Amy Devon. I thought this was poignant. Uh, we scraped and clawed and fell apart at times, but we still won. We could all feel that place in the fourth quarter where we usually start to lose, but we didn't. Maybe learning to win applies to the fan base too, which, yeah, there's a lot of vitriol out there that, well, yeah, we won, but it wasn't the right kind of win. I'm like, well, a win's a freaking win. When is the right kind of win? Those are the games that we lose. Yeah, exactly. Those are the games that we lose and we won. And you can, yep. ev you can even go back to Louisiana Tech, and that was a game that it started to look kind of kind of mm -hmm. dicey there for a little bit. And it's like what – what did we do? We won. It's like, okay, well, did you want us to lose just because we looked bad? We Because we didn't deserve to win because it looked bad? It's like, yeah, I mean, take the dub, man. Like, yeah, it looked yeah. bad. Objectively, it was a terrible looking game, but objectively, it was a win. So, like, mm -hmm. what do you want, man? Like, I had us, I had us at three and three at this right. point in the season we are now yeah. three and three it just looks different than what i thought it was and that's exactly how college football plays out year sure. in year out yeah I, I can't remember if i revised my kool-aid pick i think i might have on my kool-aid pick had us had us five and one at this point and my realistic pick was four and two um do what we should have done at the end of the minnesota game and we're four and two and i would have been right so but uh i wasn't <laughs> Anyway, uh, next up, this is the third tweet. Mr. Kenny Bell, Afro Thunder under, Afro underscore Thunder 80. Say this with all due respect. If you're someone who woke up complaining about a conference road win, I hope you stub your toe on the most resilient surface of wherever you are. And I hope it really puts a damper on your Saturday. <laughs> That's a very calm way of telling someone to F off. <laughs> <laughs> and then you immediately put on a new pair of socks and then step in a yeah. wet puddle. Exactly. Yeah, that would be my luck. Yeah. I mean, and then you I sit on the toilet it. seat and the toilet seat's wet. You know, I think he's right. And I lied, folks. There's actually four tweets today because I had to include one of my own. I actually, well, of course, he did retweeted his and said, bringing the you know, Afro Thunder 80s, bringing the boom today. I'm not complaining about a road win in conference today, but I did gripe a little bit during the game last night. So my right big toe is starting to get an ingrown toenail. So thanks, Kenny. Uh, appreciate him wishing that upon me. So that's it. Retweeted or three tweeted or however, we're, whatever we're going to call this. That's the segment, folks. That's what you can be a part of. So if you do just do at GenRedPod to us 
on any tweet that you want to make about a game or about a topic going on in Husker Nation. If it's one we deem worthy, we will certainly yes and hashtag it. Hashtag three tweeted. Three tweeted. Three tweeted. Yep. And Um, you can add both me at Gen Red Pod and of course Scott's moniker up there too at Scott Gen Red Pod. Scott with two T's. The second T is indeed silent. And I named him that way because I knew he would say that someday. Um, so let's see here. What do we got next? Ah, we're down to, we're down to, let's find out the results of this poll here. I think we're there now. I think we're close. We might be there. We might be close. This is fantastic podcasting while I'm sitting here scrolling on my phone to see where the poll is. Ah, we've got one minute left dog on it. So we've got to waste more time. In fact, we won't need to because I can go over what is coming up next. Next week, I've got a slide for that. <laughs> if I can find my... There it is. Next week is our live stream for Northwestern Preview, Sunday, October 15, 2023, uh, 3.30 p.m. Central right here on YouTube or our Facebook page or on Twitter. But remember... Twitter, unless you pay for it, will not let you comment on a live stream you're watching on their platform. So do it on our Facebook page or YouTube channel. It's much better. Much better, I think. I watch some things on Twitter, but it sucks when I can't comment. So, you know, everybody needs to hear what I have to say, right? Any other thoughts about any of those tweets at all, Scott, while I'm still trying to figure out where this poll's at? Um, Poll is ending, so... No, I have zero thoughts. Just empty space. <laughs> okay. It's my I'm in my nothing box, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, I I, I completely understand that. I just I, accidentally fell in there for a second. Oops. I live there a lot. So when I don't have slides in front of me, I can't fill time very well. And I appreciate everybody who's still watching in spite of that and listening. Uh, oh, I never did mention our follow info. You can follow us at any of the uh, major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, all of them. Do us a favor. If you have not got our recent content content on Apple Podcasts, unsubscribe and resubscribe by doing a search for the show again. And you will see album art that has our lovely faces on it. So that way, you know, you're subscribing to the new feed. So there you go. And I think that poll is finally over. <laughs> I think yes, you're right. The moment of truth. Yeah, I I think we know what the results are. The Kool Aid floweth. That that's what I will say. Um, Save to photos. Then I get to go to photos and put that up on (laughs) Google Drive. There we go. So yeah, it was seventy-one percent to twenty-nine percent. I'm not even going to display the slide. So. 71% 71% of Nebraskans believe uh, people who voted on the poll, which were how many were there? 119 votes. So, and then 29% said, no, we're not going to be bullet eligible by the end of the Michigan state game. I'm going to be in the 29%. I don't think we get bowl eligible by that day. I have a feeling we stub our toe. God dog it. I know it's going to be a game I'm at. So I think we stub our toe against Purdue. Yeah, and yeah. probably win at Michigan State because I think they're a dumpster fire. And then it's between Maryland, Wisconsin, and Iowa to get bowl eligible. Uh, one of the guys that follows us, Greg, um, he comments on a lot of stuff I post. 
commented and said he thinks we're going to be five and six going into Iowa. And I'm like, please, God, no. Let the football gods have us be bowl eligible by Iowa so we don't have I know. Another, another kicker blowing kisses at our bench after he kicks a game-winning field goal to keep us out of a bowl game a la 2019. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. <laughs> so, um, yeah, 71% of you people, you you people are nuts. How can you believe so deeply that we're going to be bowl eligible by Michigan State? I don't get it. I'd love it if it were true, because then that means the last three games, balls to the wall, play with your hair on fire. Who cares what happens, really? We're going to a bowl game, so turn them loose, coaches, and I think they will. They get bowl eligible by Michigan State. They're going to turn some stuff loose, I think, and see what happens. Why not? It's a Why developmental not? program, right? Once you get to a bowl game, you've got a whole extra month of development. Why not develop in season two? Throw them young pups out there and turn them loose. See what happens. You know? Okay. I'm hoping we're bowl eligible by then because I'd love to see what this youthful youthful side of this team can do in those last three games. So then the question yeah. is if they get to bowl eligibility eligibility, how do they actually get there? Because we look at our we look at our uh our schedule, we have a bye week mm-hmm. this week, obviously. Then we go Northwestern. We get them at home. Mm-hmm. And then we get Purdue at home. Then we go at Michigan State. Then we get Maryland at home. Then we go yeah. to Madison to play Wisconsin. And then we get Iowa at home. So the last the last four of the six games that we have on our slate are home games, which bodes yep. well in our favor. Um, mm-hmm. We don't have to play... Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State in November, which bodes in our favor. And then the Big Ten West is the worst looking it's looked in a long time. Um, And so that bodes in our favor because we have two interim head coaches that we're going to have to play against. We have one new head coach, two new head coaches, two interims, two new head coaches, and Maryland and Iowa, which I mean – I could very well see us get to a bowl game, but I could very well see us somehow stub, stub our toes and going five and seven. Cause yep. I look at Northwestern and I just can't, I can see, I mean, let's just chalk it off right now. Northwestern and Michigan state, even though yes, we're going to the big house in, in uh, East Lansing. Like I still, I think that we have a good chance of winning Northwestern mm-hmm. and Michigan State. So that makes us five wins. And so you look at Purdue, Maryland, Wisconsin, and Iowa. It's like, all right. I think that it's a coin flip with Purdue. I think it's a mm-hmm. coin flip with Iowa. And I think that Maryland has a slight advantage over us. And I think that Wisconsin has a slight advantage over us. So when I'm looking at it from that, and that's me being as rational and objective, non-Kool-Aid drinking, like that's just me looking at it from a, a neutral standpoint best that I can. I mean, that puts us easily at six and six, I think. I think. Okay. I think I I wanted to, before going into this podcast, I wanted in my mind, I had the mindset, the bias already wired into me saying we're mm. going to go five and seven. But when I actually look at the games, it's hard to not see six wins, at least. That's just my opinion. What do you think? My 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 heart says we win the next three. We're bowl eligible before in early November. And then these kids can just get, let loose and have some fun the last three games. Uh, my head says we don't quite get there. We go two and three, two and one in the next two three games. 
And then we either beat Maryland or we beat Iowa in the last game of the season to get to bowl eligibility because Iowa's offense is absolute crap. They had to work their tails off to beat a Purdue team at home um, who's still pretty lost offensively. Uh, Iowa does not have Cade McNamara. He's gone for the year, Uh, though they do have a linebacker playing quarterback that can run a little bit, so that's a little scary. Um, So, yeah, it's down to... You know, either we're bowl eligible by November 5th or we get bowl eligible the very next weekend against Maryland and then we're free and clear for the last two weeks of the year. I see us getting there. I see us getting there by by Maryland. I think we we surprise Maryland. That offense is pretty good, but we've kept people out of the end zone. Uh, nobody could run on this defense and they're going to want to throw until he uh, has a tendency to make bad decisions here and there. He wasn't exactly stellar against Ohio State, so... I say we're bowl eligible by Maryland, and then we're free and clear to play loose and fast and fun football for Wisconsin and Iowa. And by the way, Wisconsin's not a world beater. They're not beating the crap out of people. They're not running them over like old Wisconsin teams of old. So that kind of bodes well in the favor of this 3-3-5 defense, which is really good at stopping a run. So you never know what could happen in Madison, too. So, uh, But yeah, bowl eligibility by Maryland at least. And possibly by MS after MSU. So that's what I think. Yeah, I'm looking at, so I'm actually looking at what, well, what does FPI actually say? And let's just entertain ourselves really quick because we got a few minutes left. We got 10 minutes left till we hit that hour mark, which is right about where we like to keep our shows at. Try to keep them. So deep. when we're looking at it, we've, they've got us beaten Northwestern pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty confidently at 69% chance. Um, and then you look at Purdue. And that's that coin flip game that I was talking about. It's a coin flip with Purdue being slightly favored at 51%, um, which makes sense why we both think that's probably going to be a loss. Um, And then you look at Michigan State, and that's the one that I said we probably win that game. And that's right because – or no, that's not right. I I was actually wrong. I misread this. They've got Michigan State at a 59% chance of of beating Nebraska. I – I guess that's the one area where I disagree with. Um, and then you look at Maryland and Maryland is pretty much a, like a, a loss. They've got 72% chance that Maryland beats Nebraska. And then you've got the last two, which would be Wisconsin, Wisconsin, 82% chance of beating Nebraska. And then Iowa, I can't hit my middle mouse button right now for some reason. There we go. And they've got Iowa at 64%. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to have, we're going to have to claw our way to six and six with that. Cause there's no gimmies here. Um, basically they've gave it, they have Northwestern as a gimme and they have, uh, they have Purdue as a coin flip and like, that's it. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to have to work. We're going to have to put in a lot of work. Um, yeah, there you go. You got it. You got it. Here's you got poll. it squared away. There's the poll. Yeah. 71% of Husker fans <laughs> think that we are bull eligible by I November know. 5th, which <laughs> is after Michigan State. So people yep. really honestly think that we're going to get four wins, four wins in a row. 
three wins no, in a row. No, no, because by November fifth, well, yeah, by November after will be four and zero. Oh. Yeah, after yeah, since so that means Illinois. we would have won yep. four in a row with Illinois. So yep. that's that's lofty. I love the Kool Aid that Husker fans are chugging, but I'd say it's probably uh, probably more like two and one, like like you said. And I think that I think that basically uh, Maryland, does it. We're at the halfway point in our season, and this is what we're thinking. I think I think we win against Northwestern. I think we lose against Purdue. I think we win against Michigan State. I think we lose against Maryland. We lose against Wisconsin, and then we win against Iowa. So I'm with Greg. I think we are five and six going <laughs> into wanna, Iowa. You want the to go all the way till the end of November? <laughs> I don't want that. I don't want that even the slightest. I, don't but I think you might be right, too. I think that's it's, what it ends up being. It's absolutely possible because I mean, dude, look at it. Our bend and break defense, uh, pass defense. I think if Tulia, Tulia has a good game, he's just gonna tear us to pieces. We're gonna be like Swiss cheese, man. He's gonna find all of our holes and not even in the fun way. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Well, this one was fun because we got to yep. talk about a win. Yep. Uh, we didn't have to really squeeze it in too quickly so that we could get to a preview, which I kind of like. That's kind of nice. Thank you by week. And uh, we could talk about some fun stuff, like make a, take a look at where we could get uh, Moonbot. I hope that satisfies your suggestion from last week that we revise or take a look back at what we thought the final record for Nebraska would be. Um, I still see a path to seven and five, but most likely it's five and seven or six and six for my mind right now. My Kool-Aid side says six and six now, and my my uh, realistic side says five and seven. So I'm praying for six and six, and I'm expecting five and seven. So I don't mean to be negative, but it's just the way it is. It's who this team is, what this team needs to do to get better. I'm not sure they can improve this season. Maybe something happens with the offensive line over the next two weeks where they get better, where a pro Hask and whatnot proves that he's the better left tackle than Corcoran. Um, don't know. Don't know. So much is up in the air. Maybe Sims is healthy and you work him into a wildcat type of situation. Uh, but then you're thrusting yourself into, into a possibility of balls on turf a lot more often than they are with Heinrich. So, yep. But, uh, anyway, I think that pretty much wraps us up. So yep. follow info, Scott. I know I mentioned it earlier, but go ahead. Yes, you can follow me on Twitter at Scott Genred Pod. That's Scott with two T's. The second T is and will always remain silent. Um, follow me there. May get active on there again here soon. So uh, give me a follow. Yes, and you can follow the show at Genred Pod on all the places YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. GenredPod at gmail.com is our email address. GenredPod.com is our website where you can go and click. We've got links to all of our social media, got links to all the most popular um, podcast apps to get the audio version of these live streams, which will be released the next day after we do a live stream. So look for it to hit your podcast app tomorrow morning. If it doesn't and you're on Apple Podcast, you're subscribed to the old feed, as I said before. So make sure you unsubscribe, do another search for Generation Red, resubscribe, and you should be getting the new info. Anyway. We really appreciate you all watching. We appreciate all of you who have downloaded this episode and have listened to it. Uh, we love all of you guys, and it's been an absolute blast to do this show for 91 episodes now. 
not much longer we're going to be celebrating 100 and we've got some fun stuff in store for that show um anyway he's scott i'm ken together we are generation red and we are chronicling the huskers imminent return to greatness one podcast at a time because there is no place like nebraska and iowa's corn sucks oh shoot i had a good one for this one dang it (laughs) what was it oh well iowa's corn sucks like waiting in line to go to the bathroom sucks that's that's what memorial stadium south stadium especially yeah Yes. Oh, like the poop I found in the trough that one time. (laughs) Iowa's corn sucks that poop that I found in the trough. (laughs) Drop poop. (laughs) I like it. I like it. I like it. Yes, indeed, folks. Thanks again for listening and thanks again for watching. And uh, go Big Red. Go Big Red.